Welcome back to Snap Academy. I really appreciate you guys coming and listening to us. Uh, we are finally back. We're a little off on uh, our scheduling, but, uh, you know, we're here now. So I'm your host, Sterling. That's right. And once again, I'm your co-host, AJ, broadcasting live multiverse-wide. Yeah, I had a little bit of a uh, medical hiccup there, uh, so that's why we're a little bit behind with our recording. But it gave me some time to climb back to level 40, not quite back to level 50 yet. Sterling, how's your Marvel Snap Week been going? No, I've, I've definitely been enjoying it. Uh, my schedule has changed, too. I'm working nights, so like it, it actually gives me a little bit more time to play because with kids at, at school in the day, I don't have a whole lot to do, so I can actually sit down for you know a couple hours and uh, you know do some stuff. So, And I've been playing, you know, uh, posted that video of Cerebro at 2 Power, and that's been, that's been interesting and fun to play. It's not super powerful, but it is a, a fun deck. Yeah, it seems pretty cool. It seems like it can be kind of hit or miss based on the locations, which we'll be getting to later in the episode. But have have you been uh, affected by the balance changes at all with your decks? Uh, no, I mean, yes and no. Obviously, uh, Nakia definitely came out of a lot of decks, but I didn't find her to be broken in some of those decks. She was just a, she was just a good card to put in almost every deck um which is why i think she needed that nerf uh she definitely was getting to that point of you know back in the beginning of uh nova carnage being everywhere now okoye and nakia was being seen in almost every deck so yeah we can start with nakia uh so she's still a 3-1 that what has changed is her on reveal instead of giving every card in your hand plus two power she gives two cards in your hand plus two power. I can read the developer comment. It says, Nakia had the potential to give massive amounts of power that players could reliably play out by using low-cost cards. We're nerfing her the number, uh, we're nerfing the number of cards she will be buffing in order to keep this ability in check. So, I, I, I feel that, what my addition to that would be is that I really just feel like Nakia just went into any deck without, there are very few decks that didn't want Nakia. Um, right. I, I wish, I I wish that the nerf would have been just plus one power to all cards in your hand. Um, but, yeah. See, I yeah. I think they definitely could have gone a few different ways. I feel they just went with the safest route. It may have been a little too much, but I also think that they're going to come back and look at her again because uh, we saw uh, Okoye change a couple different times. So uh, I. I don't think the developers are, you know, too scared to change cards. They're they're too scared to change them and make them broken though. And they'd rather go, I think, the safe route and have them be not as good. That way they can kind of adjust from there. Yeah, right. Twist the knob back the other way. That that's a good point. I really felt that. Uh, but uh, this is a good nerf though. I I the card was just way too uh, ubiquitous. It, it went in almost everything and it, it just did a lot. And like you were comparing, comparing it to old school Nova carnage. And it kind of, it kind of was basically the same effect, except the cards that are getting the buff aren't on the battlefield. They're in your hand. So yeah. it, it, it needed to happen. Uh, yeah, we there was very yeah. few ways to actually, uh, you know, counter that. I think the best way was Scorpion. And even then they're still getting a pretty big upside. So I, yeah, and then there's also the certain, uh, to touch on locations, 
when you would play her, any location came up where you're doubling her effect early in the game. And when your opponent does that, it's almost an auto concede uh, to go back to our snap conversation, which I have been snapping smarter these days. (laughs) And I, it is like pretty gratifying to, you know, bust out some four win uh, games and and an eight win game. And then someone's got your number and you just concede, give them one cube. Like, yeah, that, that was sweet. <laughs> feels no, there's good. definitely yeah. There's definitely many times where I will I will retreat like six games in a row because either you know you're playing stuff that I'm just like eh, I'm not set up to to beat that or locations or whatever. But then by that seventh eighth game, I'm gaining four and eight cubes. So yeah, yeah. So I've been I've been trying way. to I've been trying to apply the Snap Academy fundamentals here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so ultimately glad to see Nakia get a nerf. Um, so I can go through some of the other ones. Uh, yeah. The collector collector had a huge nerf. Uh, it, it became a two one. It was a two zero originally, right? Yes. Um, and its ability is now when a card enters your hand from anywhere except your deck plus one power instead of plus two. So I'll read the developer comment. The collector's ability to gain power rapidly in many decks is a bit too out of control, especially at his cost. We are reining him in with an adjustment to his power gain potential. I feel like collector is just, he's not even the same card. He's just totally, completely destroyed and annihilated by this nerf. What do you think? I wouldn't go as far as saying that he's completely annihilated. I think, um, I don't know how they could have actually reined him in any better, but he definitely was. I mean, most games I played collector, it was no problem getting him to 12 power or higher. Um, And for a two cost card, that was, that's super powerful. That's a good point with no change to his cost, reducing his power that much makes sense. Cause something like devil dinosaur, the ongoing ability stayed the same and the cost went up to right. account for how, how much power that you're getting for the energy you're spending. So when you put it in that frame, I, it, it makes sense to me. I still think it's a little bit weak. Maybe if it was a two, two, I think that'd be cool, but I feel like that would go against the flavor of the collector. Cause collector's right, just yeah. kind of like, Oh, he's just like a dude, you know? Exactly. No. And, <laughs> and honestly, in a lot of games uh, that I'd, I'd play collector in, uh, he the extra power was almost like too much you know there'd be times that you know he would just completely you know control the lane just because of how much power he had but it was almost too much like i i would have preferred the power going you know other places or whatnot um so i don't know i haven't played with him a whole lot with this change so i can't really say if it was great or bad but it doesn't feel horrible I've only played against him a few times and it it felt like it might have felt horrible for the opponent. <laughs> but I feel like maybe there's just more to be done with that deck because you're playing with the collect and it's good that we're kind of mentioned talking a little bit more about these cards because in our um deck archetype episode we actually forgot to mention this so it's good to touch on it a little bit more. I feel like with this collector deck, collector devil dinosaur deck um it's kind of like you're playing – it reminds me of the ongoing deck and that you're playing a bunch of kind of junky cards like Cable and um, what's-her-face, Agent 13. Right, um, yep. White and, Queen. Yeah, right, right. You're playing all these – cards and Sentinel. You're playing all these cards that are just kind of like 
I mean, cable. I think cable is kind of cool because it it can disrupt things if you're playing against the deck that you know is hoping to draw draw everything in their deck. But I I don't know. I just feel like you're not getting a lot of power out of the junky cards. Um, but that compensates for having something as powerful as Devil Dinosaur and Collector. I just feel like this kind of really hurts that deck a lot. It, yes. I, again, I haven't... It, that used to be one of the decks I played all the time, but uh, now that I'm getting deeper into Pool 3 and doing like Cerebro stuff, I really haven't touched on Collector in a while. So, uh, But yeah, I, I could see how those cards probably don't feel as good anymore. Yeah, speaking of decks and cards that don't feel as good anymore, um, I feel like let's start with Hellcow, and then we'll get to Colleen Wing, to who kind of like, I feel like Colleen Wing was updated as like a response to Hellcow. Um, so Hellcow was originally a 2-6. Now it's become a 4-6. And its ability is still the same, is that when you play it, you discard two cards. I'll read the developer comment. Um, Hellcow is clearly a very strong card. So as we considered what direction to take her, we decided to adjust the curve of discard effects and how we cost them. Discarding two is now clearly a beneficial effect. So we have moved uh, Hellcow's discard multiple effect up to four cost to nerf her. We're also subsequently buffing Swordmaster and Colleen Wing, who we'll talk about in a minute, uh, to three and two cost respectively to maintain our curve. So really this has been like a holistic change to the discard deck and it's interesting that they mentioned um the discard multiple and how they move that up to four cost so in the future when we see cards that are asking anyone to discard multiple cards it's not going to be costed less than four i think um unless they're really trying to push it so anyway this this deck the discard deck is really strong speaking also of pool three cards what is your opinion on this Hellcow nerf? I think it's amazing. Like Hellcow, for you know what he did. I mean, like they said, it is very obvious that discarding two cards is a benefit, not you know a, a downfall. It is something you want to be doing because you're probably going to play a Hella on turn six. So yes, um, yeah, they and. And that's great to see, like, the evolution of the game, too, in this aspect that, you know, they did not realize, and I don't think anybody truly realized how powerful Discard was going to be until they started playing it and playing around with stuff. And, yeah, that was, and it still is a really solid deck. Um, but There's just a I lot think, of synergy. Yeah, no, it all all worked well together. Um I don't see it near as much anymore now, though. Okay. Do you think it's because of the nerfs? Or I the think nerf? so. I think for, a most, for the most part. Um, I mean, I still see it every once in a while, but I'm not seeing the, the completely broken side of, you know, what they used to do. But then again, it might be the, the levels that we're playing at. I mean, we're, we're rank 40-ish. We're casual players, so, like probably not facing a lot of people that are running that kind of stuff um i don't know yeah if we get a little higher up uh we can just touch on the other um buffs regarding this so colleen wing first of all i don't know who hell cow is and i do not 
at all know who Colleen Wing is as far as Marvel lore goes. Do you know who these people are? I don't know Hellcow, but Colleen Wing, uh, she was in the Daredevil, or not Daredevil. I mean, she was part of that, uh, the Netflix series. I think she got introduced in, uh, was it Iron Fist? It was okay. one of those one of those Netflix series she was a part of, um, but I still don't know anything about her. Gotcha. Other than okay. she's like, you know, like a ninja type person, so. <laughs> Word. Well. Props to uh, Marvel Snap for making us play with the IP that we don't, the, the fringe IP, because that's good, because then that leaves more room for the super cool stuff. So Colleen went from a 3.5 to a 2.4 to uh, just basically affect that curve of the deck, because Hellcow went uh, from a 2 to a 4 uh, cost. And then let's go to Swordmaster, went from a 4.7 to a three six, um, the the mechanic of, of discarding is still the same, just changing the cost and the power. That's uh, it's cool that they're willing to look at a deck from a holistic standpoint and realize there's a lot of things wrong with what's going on here, and we need to tweak a lot of little knobs to see if we can get it right. I, I think that's great. Yeah. No, and and I absolutely love the change to Swordmaster. Uh, he just felt actually just bad uh, at his, you know, what was it, four seven was his original. Yeah, four cost. So it's just, pretty crowded. Right there, there's so many good things you could be doing at the the four drop and seven power. Just just didn't seem enough. But now at three cost and six power, I honestly feel he can go in more than just a discard deck now. Okay. Yeah, because, I, mean, I mean, we're looking for power. I, I feel that power is important. It, it, it ends up kind of like um, Maximus being a 3-7. I feel like that card's pretty good, and this isn't that far off. No, and, and honestly, when I first saw, because uh, like I mentioned, I've been doing a lot of Cerebro stuff, uh, I'm excited to try and get uh, Swordmaster into a six-power Cerebro deck. Whoa. Yeah, I still need a few other cards. Like Hellcow would be awesome for that kind of deck as well, um, you know. But uh, I don't have some of the the really good six powers. Uh, Hood, who gives you the demon, that would be great. But yeah, no, that's that's what I like seeing about changes. Uh, you know, I want to see cards be useful and more than just one deck. Right. Yeah, because that just because I to go back to our deck building. Uh, conversations. I really feel like in this in this game, there's the meta decks that you can play, and you can play like shadows of them, depending on like a, or shades of them, depending um, on what you have in your collection. Or there is so much room for brewing, and like you're saying, if if there's a card that can go in more than one deck, that's great. But also, it's good that they kind of pulled it back with Nakia, you know, cards that go in every deck. That's, that's right. a little yep. too far. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's keep going you. here. Um, Kingpin, I actually, speaking of Kingpin, who I have, I actually just unlocked Magneto as well, but I wish nice. to talk more about what I'm playing later. Uh, Kingpin has gone to, uh, they, they changed his text. Uh, so he's a 3-4. When a card moves here on turn six, destroy it. Uh, and they said, we believe that this update to Kingpin will make his functionality more clear and give players more flexibility on when to play him and capitalize on his payoff. Previously, it was the next turn cards that move here are destroyed, right? 
Right. And there was uh, like some just weird interactions with uh, end of turn and after turn type things. And I think that's where he kind of got a little confusing as to when he was actually going to trigger. Right. Uh, so this just makes it very clear. Turn six, you're going to kill stuff if things move here. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty sweet card. Uh, I think the, the way to play it previously was to play it on po- uh, turn five anyway. So it's this is just overall a good like kind of clarification. Uh, yeah. It's no, a buffer and, and nerf. Honestly, yeah, I think this is a a card that will just wreck the movement deck because, you know, as we, we had talked before in our, our deck archetype uh, episode where the movement deck is looking to fill the, the left and middle locations in the end with a Heimdall move. So if you drop a Kingpin there, everything that moves over is gone. Yep, and then he just wins that location by himself. Yeah, yep. <sighs> yeah, I feel like maybe... Uh, the movement deck is like a top tier two deck, a top tier pool two deck. Uh, and after that, once you start encountering pool three cards, I feel like it kind of just really falls off. And also maybe it, I, I just, I just don't think that it, once you start understanding what the deck is and once you start getting access to some of the better strategies, I think movements just, it's too high skill level for such little payoff. Yeah. Yeah, because honestly, I, anytime I go back to play the movement deck, I try to play it in a way that people aren't expecting, which you know banks more on Cloak and uh, Doctor Strange type plays, which does kind of limit your options there towards the end of the game, I guess. I don't know. Um, it's something I do want to tweak around with a little bit more. I don't feel like Heimdall is actually the the answer anymore in that deck. Right, because everyone knows that it's coming, so you've got to take it to the next level and do some counterintuitive stuff. Right, yep. Interesting. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. <clears throat> I, I hope that I hope that maybe some of those cards get buffed. I, although, I mean, it's it's just in a good sh- spot. There's so much synergy. There are, there are so many cards that like work with it. I, I just wish that there was something that kind of made it better. And this Kingpin buff definitely <laughs> definitely makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. Yo. Um, so what else we got there? Um, yeah, we got Lizard. Oh, yeah, yes. Just a couple. Yeah, went from a 2-4 to a 2-5. That's just great. Yeah, um, no, I... I'm still not super impressed with Lizard. I think he's got some, you know, easy to play around uh, card, but he's also like now you can like bait out maybe people to to flood that lane. So, uh, yeah, at at two power or at two energy, five power, I, I think it's a good card now. Yeah, I was playing the, the my problem with Lizard though is like I was playing it in the ongoing deck. And it kind of just got to the same, the same sort of conclusion that I'm playing a bunch of bad cards to try and get the spectrum ability to pop, yeah. and this makes him better. But I thought that with making having him be like a late two drop was the best way to play him because you can really control control, uh, you know, where your opponents are playing for for cards at. You could maybe play him and then drop Professor X on his location to make sure that nobody gets in there. But 
ultimately this is good. I still don't think that Lizard is a good card because it's just another it's just an ongoing card that goes in a unfortunately I think the ongoing deck just like isn't that good. So like it's a synergistic piece that goes in kind of a bad deck that has a drawback, but I mean I guess this makes it better. And yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think about Lizard? I mean, like I said, I think he's okay. Um, I did see uh, a streamer, Jeff uh, Hoogland, who actually played uh, a Spectrum ongoing deck, I think, within the last week or so. And, yeah, people don't respect Spectrum. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I I still think it's, at least from what I watched, I haven't played it myself a whole lot. Uh, it, it looks like a decent enough deck. Uh, but I feel like, like Spectrum's said, powerful, but yeah, it's just bad cards. Yeah, no, that that that's the thing. You're just playing, and and in his deck, he even was playing Quinjet just for the ongoing, having a one drop, two power ongoing card. So, yeah, yeah, I don't I mean... have Quinjet, so I hadn't played it in my. Maybe that's the tipping point. Maybe that's the card I was missing, uh, <laughs> Quinjet to to get there. But. For real, I mean that—that's because that's what it is. You're basically playing the same Nova Carnage, Nakia, whatever. Uh, give give your team plus two power strat, except you're playing cards like, lamentably like Mister Fantastic or Captain America, um, or you you know you're just you're just not playing. You're playing armor, so then you you're kind of you, you could be enabling op opponent's stuff by limiting your options for destroying stuff. Or, uh, I mean, one thing I will say about the deck, though, with Ongoing, uh, that I said before, is that it gives you access to Cosmo, and Cosmo is mm -hmm. just great. Um, oh, yeah. But I wonder if maybe Lizard with Cosmo, like a two-drop into a three-drop, this might be pretty a pretty nice combo. Something that I haven't really delved into much, but I've been thinking about is really gaining control, like getting the initiative early so that your stuff reveals first. And then, because I feel like that that's a whole nother segment of the game that I don't think is touched on as much. And I feel like might have been slept on because of a card like Nakia that incentivizes you to not play early in the game. So if you're playing Lizard on two, you're going to have five power at, at one of the locations at the start of turn three. Now, whether the eventually they get the the buff, uh, rather they get the nerf, um, his ongoing thing that gives him the minus power uh, if they have four cards at the location, that's whatever. But I wonder if Lizard into Cosmo is like a really great way to just steal games. Yeah, I mean, that. If you're you, you probably definitely want to do that on like an empty location. Uh, that could really, though, uh, like I mentioned earlier, either set up for like uh, a bait kind of thing where, hey, here's Lizard and here's Cosmo, so you can't really like play your on reveal type stuff. Do you want to flood this area now? Oh, yeah, if you put them at the same location, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Oh man, so, I, I, maybe I the ongoing yeah, deck isn't as bad as I think it is, but I, I feel like it's on the edge. Yeah. Um, right, so and then we just have uh, rescue. Rescue's a four-four oh. instead of a five-five. Do you have rescue? Yeah. Uh, I do have rescue. I have never played rescue though. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really have nothing to say about her. I think this is probably uh, a, a much better uh, buff for her because. 
you know, playing her on five, you just, you telegraphed way too much what you're going to do on six. It didn't matter what you were dropping. They knew it's got to go there. I mean, why else would you play rescue then? True. And flavor wise, I don't, I feel like they're, they've imposed their own kind of flavor situations where like, like how green goblin and hobgoblin are like the same kind of ability. Um, kind of how like Ironheart and Iron Man are similar abilities where they just they buff other people in your team and mm-hmm. rescue a similar type of thing. It's like it's getting buffed. But I wonder like rescue, I, I, I'm not a huge pepper pots like uh fan or anything or I haven't really like watched or, or read anything about rescue, but just hearing rescue and from the situations that she's been involved, it's like she becomes rescue when things are just really tilting out of control. And it should, I feel like it should be kind of like a rescuey type of thing, like sort of like a, an, an instant type of situation, or I don't know, some sort of reactive type of play. I just feel like maybe rescue isn't really flavorly pulling off what, what she could be. No. Cause to me, she feels like Jessica Jones, which she yeah. is. I mean, and Jessica Jones feels like that feels like a good kind of ability for Jessica Jones for rescue though. Like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, and I had heard somebody mention like what they could have done was like, if you had played a card here last turn, then when you play rescue, she gets a buff. That see, that would be amazing. Like a secret Hawkeye thing, you know, that that you don't know it's coming. Right. Right. And that could, I mean, that could really, makes for some interesting plays, but uh, so hopefully they'll look into something like that with a card at some point. But uh, right now, yeah, she just doesn't, doesn't feel great to me. I mean, because uh, she goes up to to nine power if you do play something, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I kind of feel like Warpath is just better in that spot. I mean, granted you are only limited to two locations if you're playing Warpath, but so I don't know. Maybe they are similar. Or like Namor. Yeah, yeah. Like I just, especially like, yeah. I I don't know. I'm just not thrilled with rescue. Yeah, never have been. Every time I've seen her played, I'm like, oh, it's rescue. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I still fun. have her at common. I haven't even like upgraded her. <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah 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 so i i feel like maybe there's room for that to be done i'll say it right now and maybe i'll be able to remember this uh because you know i'm not going to write it down but when whenever this armor wars comes out because i i know that they didn't like announce the armor wars thing on they didn't announce any war machine stuff with the uh the marvel like at the mcu announcements but whenever that that armor wars movie comes out or whenever whenever war machine comes back that's when there's going to be like the season pass and you'll get war machine and who knows what he'll do, but maybe right. they'll be able to try, try and tweak all the, I just hope that he's not the same as iron man and iron heart. I, I would like to see a, a different type of ability and, and not just have to be boxed in by, okay, these are the iron man suit cards and they all do the same thing. Yeah, no, I think for war machine, it would be awesome if we had, you know, a, an ability similar to has but only affecting your opponent. Okay. You know, oh like, yeah, yeah, like sure, sure. Coming in with his like machine guns and whatnot, and all of his weapons, you know, just like I don't know. 
He might be a good destroy card. That there there isn't a, there aren't a whole lot of destroy stuff. So it, I could see him coming in and just like just blasting the field or or just doing it the way that you said. If if he doesn't kill them, he he withers them, like reduces their power permanently. That that would be that would be cool. Yeah. Well, that's that's yeah. all the uh, that's all the balance changes. I think it's good. It's nice to see that they're willing to do them whenever. There's no like specific schedule, and uh, I, I've been digging it. Yeah. No, I'm I'm. I, I can't say I'm like thinking this is the best patch or whatever or best, uh, you know, changes to cards, but it's, you know, it's definitely some cards that needed changes. Um, it's still, I think, a good, good patch. Good, good job by the, the team. Yeah. I've been, I've I've got a lot of faith in them, and that's also the beauty of these kind of uh, mobile games, man. You can uh, always change the environment, always tweak things, turn little knobs just to make the game better. Something that in Magic: The Gathering, when you're printing real cards, you know you, you can't do that. And uh, yeah. there's I, I I actually like that, but also I've grown to really love that aspect of the digital card game. And yeah, I think just more good stuff from the de- the developers here. Right. No, I agree with you. So before we move into the locations, you know, the main thing that we wanted to talk about in this episode, uh, how have you been doing with the, the season so far? And uh, I know you say you're free to play, but have you have you changed your mind on that? You you want to buy the season pass to get the wonderful Daredevil? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about Daredevil. I don't <laughs> think that card's good. That card's not good. What, what does it do? I, so uh, Daredevil might be good. And so I just, I don't know. So I feel like my deck is super sweet right now. Obviously I'm level 40, so whatever. Although we know it's, it's, it is true that uh, your level, your rank is directly related to the amount of time you're able to spend playing the game. Um, Mr. Negative. This deck is dope. It only gets shut down by Sandman and, for playing sand like don't even play sandman you're messing up okay <laughs> mr negative is amazing and in order to play it right you have to be snapping smart because there's certain times when you just won't draw mr negative and or, or and you won't draw psylocke yeah so everything changed when i unlocked psylocke so she's a two drop one power at next turn plus one power so that enables or sorry uh next turn plus one energy uh, so that en- enables a turn three Mr. Negative, which inverts the power and cost of all the cards in your deck. So you're playing cards that aren't bad on their own. Unlike the, the ongoing deck, th- these cards are all pretty good by themselves. So there's Devil Dinosaur. You're playing um, also Ronin the Accuser because other people are playing D- Devil Dinosaur and Collector and people are going to have big hands. So you're playing both of those. You're playing Iron Man, which is actually low key not maybe not low key just one of the best cards in the game and available to players of all levels right iron man's like one of the first like one of the first cards you get yeah i think he's in the the is he in the the starter deck i think so i think no, so no i you definitely get him very very early if he's not in the starter yeah, yeah, that, that's a good way to put it, <laughs> just in case we're wrong there. But I think it is <laughs> in the start and dude, it is just because when you turn it from a, it's good by itself as a five cost, zero power, doubling the power at, at the location, that's great. But as a zero cost, five power with that same ability, it's disgusting. And then if anything else happens where you're playing uh, locations that copy cards or add copies to your hand, so you're playing Devil Dinosaur, a zero cost Devil Dinosaur on turn four, zero cost four power, 
devil dinosaur on turn four, uh, and then you're drawing one into your hand. Uh, so what what is that location? Um, uh, we'll we'll get to it. We'll we'll get to yeah, it. Yep. I, I I can't think of it off the top of my head, but. Oh, okay, there it is. Cloning Vats. When you play a card here, add a copy to your hand. So that Cloning Vats is cool with low-cost stuff. But with high-cost stuff, it's really hard to play. With zero-cost stuff, it's super easy to play. So <laughs> so that's why I, I just uh, – I'm not, I'm not sold on Daredevil because when I'm playing, I'm winning the left location. I, I've got 80 power on the left location. I got 60 power in the middle location, and I got 30 power on the right location. So – the only time I've seen Daredevil be good, someone played Professor X. I think that's a sweet combo. Honestly, there. Ever since I started playing Daredevil, like knowing what your opponent does on turn five is so powerful. Even if you don't have things like Professor X and Hobgoblin to kind of take advantage of their their high risk plays, now you get to know exactly where to play those. Um, but just having that information has, has definitely led me to either go, yep, I'm snapping here or it's time to retreat. Uh, a lot of the times that's how my turns five turn fives go with daredevil anymore is I know if I'm going to win or if I'm going to lose as soon as my opponent plays their turn five. Okay. So if you're, if you're snapping smart, then that can be a real, a real benefit then I could imagine. Yeah. And and I've also had numerous people like they play out their hand and I snap and they're like, they retreat before I can even play out my hand because they're like, okay, you saw what I could do. Uh, you clearly have the right stuff. Uh, so um, it makes it a little harder, I guess now to like, you know, gain those cubes from snapping. Um, but I've also been able to bait people in where, you know, I didn't have the greatest play or I only had one, play on turn five didn't matter what they were going to do and i snapped anyways just to see if they were like wanted to stick around uh and you know again just that bluffing aspect of the game i think is really fun yeah and that seems like probably one of the more bluffing enabling cards that's been been released because anyone who has been playing the game for any amount of time when you snap, when you've got Daredevil down, they should know that you probably have a way to beat them. And if not, you know, they're taking a risk that you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And one of my favorite uh, cards to actually play after a Daredevil uh, on turn five is Doc Ock. Because a lot of the times players will either play like one card out or they'll fill a whole location so that you can't like lock it down or send a hobgoblin over. Uh, yeah. But if they're sitting with more than four cards in hand, I usually will play a Doc Ock to a location I'm planning on losing anyways. And that alone, as soon as as soon as Doc gets revealed, I've had people retreat on me immediately. Because you're going to lose anyway, so you take the rest of their turn six. I take yep. I take all their cards out of hand or they're left with one or two cards so their options aren't the greatest or they were trying to set up for a big you know turn six play and i just took it away from them okay okay well i i can see that uh and i feel like maybe from what you're saying definitely daredevil you're gonna want to have access to some higher pool cards to try and take advantage of 
your opponents like having daredevil and kingpin that might work pretty well together to see what your opponent's doing even though we mentioned that you don't need to have any information to know what the movement deck's doing <laughs> but, right, but that still can help you knowing you know uh just information in general uh is just great I think you're you sold me on it because you know I, I came I came into this conversation today thinking I just I don't like Daredevil I don't think it's good I don't know why I mean I do know why it's power it's potentially a powerful card I just playing against him in my deck at least it seemed just kind of fruitless because I'm oh, I've, I'm playing I've so, so many seen, cards yeah. Yeah, and I've definitely had some games where, like I said, I just based off the cards that I have drawn, I have either nothing to play on turn five, which is very, very weird, or it's just a, you know, not a great play, or I'm very limited on what I can. Um, it's happened before, but I think that's more deck composition uh, than anything else and not like Daredevil not being good. Uh because he's still good in that scenario. It's just the other cards weren't what you wanted, right? So, yeah. Well, and also being a two drop, I think, is really good. Because uh, I don't think there are a lot of just amazing two drops. So to see something that has a pretty good ability like that is is nice. I, I would like to see more powerful cards at two. Yeah, and uh, honestly, he is the biggest reason why I think I could run the Cerebro at two power right now. If it wasn't for Daredevil. I don't know if that that deck actually could like if I could win as many games as I have with it. Right, and you're saying so you're getting a benefit from his ability, but also just him being a two a two power on top of that. That's just that sweet little extra cherry on the top to fill out your twos, is what you're saying with Cerebro, right? Yeah, yeah. Because in that yeah. in that deck in that game, there's many times that like. I see what they're doing and I could either throw down uh, you know, a storm to change a location. Uh, I'm, I'm running a hobgoblin. Um, I'm running a lot of cheap stuff so that I could just, you know, end up flooding one area. You know, maybe they haven't, uh, I see what they're playing and they keep one lane open. So I just flood that lane uh, with a bunch of cards and then they're not, nobody is expecting Cerebral mystique in that deck. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So That's when cool. you when you have a bunch of two powers on the board, they're like, "Yeah, I'm gonna win." And then all of a sudden, granted, you're you're only giving them plus four power, but having a bunch of six powers on the board now makes a big difference. Right. It's kind of like a better Patriot deck, or is it yeah, the same? Yeah. Yep. No, I agree with you there. Okay. But okay. at least my cards do stuff. <laughs> so. I think now is a really good time to get to locations because certain locations can really make you want to concede when you're playing a deck that requires all your cards to maintain the same power. So, like, you're not playing a Koye in your deck because that would mess up the whole deck. Exactly. Yep. Okay. All right. So, why don't we start with locations? Um, and we, I've got an alphabetical list here there before we go, uh, go into this, there was one that's not listed on this and that's a brand new one that you, did you see it in a, where did you see this? It was the, the promotional video that, uh, Ben Brode had done for the, the new season. Uh, he was okay. talking about, you know, heroes for hire, um, and, uh, just promoting the, the new season and daredevil and stuff. And I did see, uh, Luke's bar 
was a location that got brought up. All it was was text on the screen. They didn't show like the actual location, like look or whatever. But uh, it did say that anytime you play a card here, return it to your hand. Maybe the Nakia nerf is uh, preempting that location. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that definitely, I think, is going to be a very, very interesting uh, location to play. um, Because there's a ton of stuff I would love to just throw down in a location and be able to bounce it right back to my hand. And, um, you know, I think Beast and Falcon are going to be really good good when that location comes out too they're already a fun deck to play so yeah getting getting benefits from a lot of the uh uh on reveal effects and then returning cards to your hand and also i've noticed playing against those kind of decks um they can bait your opponent they can bait you into overplaying to um a location thinking that your opponent won't be able to add more power there and then boop, they pull everybody back and now they've got a clean location and you've got, you've got a full location and you've got nine power and you know, you know that they're just going to be able to take it from you. So that's interesting. And it's kind of like um, a location that would destroy or kind of like a danger room or a death's domain, which we'll get to uh, where it, it's a, it, it's at least that effect but might have some sort of ability to abuse it. Like for me with my Mr. Negative deck, if I had a zero power, or sorry, a zero cost, three power um, Ironheart, I'd play it at that location, give everybody plus two power, return it to my hand, play it again next turn. Cause you are still limited by the energy that you have. So like the cloning vats, this, uh, this ability becomes harder to abuse the higher cost the cards get. Right, right. But to be able to, like, like we talked about, you know, the on reveal stuff, like throwing down, you know, if you can cheat out like a Dr. Doom, you know, super early, uh, getting, you know, Doom bots and then being able to do it again. Uh, I know there's other ways of, you know, being able to do that similar, but now with, you know, this kind of location, I just think that it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see what people come up with. And locations really are, the, they're the spice of the game. They're the little RNG that doesn't feel that bad like RNG normally does that makes the game interesting and makes every game actually take brain power to play. Um, so that's great. So wh- how about we do this? We're going to go through the locations. I'm going to read them. I'll say my opinion on the location. Then you'll say your opinion. Some we might go back and forth and talk about for a minute. Some we might just go over and uh, not come back to them. Yep, sounds good. All right, so Asgard, at the end of turn four, whoever is winning here draws two cards. Um, so I think that's good. I like having access to that in um, my Mr. Negative deck because if I can draw more cards, then I can have I can make more plays because all my cards cost zero. Um, my thought is sometimes you can get baited into playing there. What do you think? Yeah, it's, it's definitely... I think a location that's worth fighting over. Um, but yes, you do have to be, I think, aware of yeah putting too much down because after you get the effect, uh, it becomes you know a, a blank location then uh, after turn four. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I absolutely love doing though, uh, just because I've been playing these kind of cards a lot, but uh, to play out like a storm or a Scarlet Witch on that location. Uh, you know, especially if they have already put down a couple cards and they're like, yeah, I'm going to get some cards out of this. I'm like, yeah, let's just change it. 
Yeah, yeah, that that is huge. Changing that location, it, that, so that's something we might come back to and and think about with a lot of locations is how bad is it for you if you've overcommitted and then the location changes. <laughs> so that's yeah. definitely something to think about. Um, Atlantis, if you have only one card here, it has plus five power, like it says in the banner when it's the featured location. It's a good place for Namor. That's that's about it. Yeah. That's yep. That's really it. Throw down your biggest card um and you get plus five power so yeah or, really... uh, professor exit and just <laughs> hope, hope that they <laughs> yeah. don't play something in time um <laughs> avengers compound on turn five all cards must be played here um so that card i'm uh, sorry that location i feel like is cool it's something to keep in mind though is that it can kind of lock you out of the game if you're dealing with another location such as bifrost that we're getting to or the the bifrost after turn four move all cards one location to the right i've had situations where i haven't been able to play to avengers uh, compound because bifrost moved me or other things have happened sterling uh, let me hear what you got to say about avengers compound uh, making you play cards on turn five and feel free to touch on bifrost too yeah, no, uh, that's it's a. It definitely is a location you have to be aware of and think about the the moment you see it, the moment it comes out, because yes, your your turn five now is basically determined. So if again you can't like change the location with one of your cards, you you have to play there. And uh, yeah, I've been locked out numerous times by Spider Man. Oh yeah. And then you just don't get a turn five. Yep. You you don't get to do anything like and that hurts. That that's basically a time to retreat though. So <laughs> Right, right. Okay, yeah, no, that I hadn't thought about that. That that is good because there's other cards that can make it so that you can't even or like y- your opponent fills up your location with debris and with um uh, hobgoblin and green goblin, and then you only have one slot to play something on turn five. And maybe that's not really what you want to do. So, right. yeah, that's like, like you said, it's something that when it gets revealed, you need to keep uh, keep your eye on it and know yeah. that it's there. Have a plan um, for it. Know what you're going to do. That said, Bifrost, we're only skipping one. We'll, we'll backtrack after this. Bifrost, while you do need to be aware of it and its interactions with other locations, I feel like it's not it's not as bad and annoying as I thought it was when it was revealed. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to you know to uh, try and play around too, because uh, I know you know this was before the Kingpin nerf that he was played a lot when Bifrost was uh, a featured location. Oh, yeah, that's devastating. So uh, now though, uh, I I do like how that change to Kingpin doesn't you know give. Oh yeah, it doesn't affect it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah good so, point. So that's that's nice. Um, it's a good you know location to reveal for the movement deck because uh, I think as we talked before, movement is always going to the left with most of their cards. This actually pulls things to the right, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, it, it makes you think a little bit more about the game, and but I don't think it's it's not something to concede over or, or worry too much about, but definitely keep in mind the interaction with other stuff, such as Avengers Compound. Um, we skipped over Baxter Building, and that is whoever's winning this location gets plus three power at the others. That's, again, just something that you need to keep in mind when you're playing. It's easy to forget about these things and be like, oh my god, I actually lost, 
oh yeah, my opponent won yeah, the, yep. the Baxter building. Right. And that's where, uh, yeah, I feel Baxter building is one of those locations that is worth fighting over. Um, but again, don't overcommit, but it's not horrible to overcommit, I guess, to Baxter building because you're getting that benefit on your other locations. True, true. So in that way, it is kind of, I feel like when we revisit this, we'll do another location video or uh, podcast in the future. And I think when we revisit it, we might, I, I might want to set some criteria for the locations. So when you see them, you know, whether it's something that you need to like worry about or not. Um, like the next one, Central Park, add a squirrel to each location. That's just making the game more difficult for everyone. It doesn't really change anything i don't think yeah i mean it, it clogs up you know a, a spot in everybody's uh board uh three spots in each lane uh and you know unless you are playing something like kazar or the destruction deck uh killmonger you know it, it is yeah it just clogs things up it's not great but you can't do anything about it it's one of those locations it comes out it does its thing it's done and you just have to play around it now yeah, and it might give a slight benefit to some decks, but not something that even really matters. It might even be a hindrance because it fills up a slot at each location, uh, which, you know, when you're trying to, you know, pop things off with Venom, you, sometimes you like to eat three things at once. You know, he's hungry, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cloning Vats. We mentioned Cloning Vats earlier. When you play a card here, add a copy to your hand. And, and as I mentioned you know, this kind of has diminishing returns as the cards you play get more expensive. Right. And I've seen a few games and I have done a few games myself where you're just like, oh, this this card is going to be bonkers and I'm just going to flood this cloning uh, vats with it. And then by the end of the game, like it's not I don't know, it, it just didn't work out or whatever. Um yeah, you're just unable so, to play the cards because you just don't have the energy to play it. I feel like the best benefit I've gotten from it is when I'm playing Devil Dinosaur, and I'm, the only thing I'm getting is replacing the card in my hand so Devil Dinosaur stays big. Yeah. No, my my favorite one that I've gotten so far was uh, uh, my Deadpool deck, and I had Forge in hand, so I was able to play out <laughs> four, and then I just spammed Deadpool onto there and played Killmonger and killed, like, four Deadpools, and now I'm able to play the Deadpools back out. <laughs> so, yeah, so... <laughs> right, and right, depending on what you have in your deck, you might be able to take advantage of it. That's something where the movement deck really would get a, be a benefit from, because they play Hulkbuster, and when Hulkbuster merges with a, a card, it merges before um, it gets returned to your hand, or rather, a copy gets added to your hand. So... Right. You play it, so you play something first, then you play the Hulkbuster on it, like say you play Multiple Man, and then you play Hulkbuster on it, then you're returning a Multiple Man that has seven power. So, yes. or you're creating yep. a Multiple Man that has seven power. So, that can be good, but yeah, diminishing returns. Um, right. yep. Crimson Cosmos, uh, one, two, and three cards can't be played here. Pretty much just like a basic location, just the basic flavor of Marvel Snap here, I think. Yeah, and, um, I mean, I've definitely had times where it's like, okay, I can't play to this location because my entire deck is three costs or less. Uh, and then, then there's been other times where I'm playing a deck that I'm like, yeah, I don't, I think I have one, one cost in here and that's it. <laughs> so uh, it's a hit or miss kind of uh, location, depending on the deck that you're playing. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
just something that you've got to play around just the, the normal terrain of Marvel snap. It's, it's cool. Uh, daily bugle. I don't even know if I've ever seen that. Um, get a, it says, get a copy of a card in, in your opponent's hand. I don't, I'm reading off a list that isn't like official. Oh, that, that, yeah. I don't think that one has been introduced in the game yet. Uh, yeah, I don't recall so I don't, ever seeing it. I don't know what that is. So uh, that may or may not be an actual thing. Obviously daily bugle will be a location I'm assuming. And that sounds right, but get a copy of a card in your opponent's hand doesn't really sound like the right wording. So maybe it's like from a document or from like the discord that we haven't read yet or something like that. But that, that sounds, that sounds cool. It sounds, it's just like, we'll, we'll get to another one um, where you just get a random card to your hand. Just uh, an interesting thing, but could yep. give you some information, but I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't know if it's official, so we don't need to spend too much time on it. Okay. Yep. Um, Danger Room. Cards played here have a 25% chance, uh, chance to be destroyed. Classic RNG Marvel Snap location. Yep. No, I honestly, I take the chance every time with that location because I figure if, if it survives, awesome. Now I have to, my opponent is pretty much forced to try it as well and hope that the RNG is on their side too. Um, I don't play it like my big six power or six cost type cards, my big win cards don't get played there though. Cause I don't want to take that chance. Right. Right. Exactly. Cause then you just auto lose. Yep. But I, <laughs> I, I love like throwing down an armor or something like that, you know, uh, because I I've seen people try to abuse the RNG with cards like, you know, Bucky and things that want to be destroyed. Uh, and then they don't and die. Then they, and then they don't die. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to For spend sure. your carnage to actually kill him. And guess what? Your carnage does get hit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very nice. Yeah. So da- danger room. It's just, you know, a classic basic location. Um, dark dimension cards played here are not revealed until the game ends. Uh, I feel like you're t- talking about um, the Invisible Woman and the discard deck. This is just kind of like a free free roll for that deck, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you just get to throw down all of your discard stuff in that location and not worry about your Hella getting discarded. So, And now you don't need Invisible Woman. Yeah, it's like you have another copy of Invisible Woman. So if you don't draw it, you're good. Or if you do draw it, you can play a different uh, two drop. So yeah, that's that. You know, some some decks will be able to exploit it other better than other ones. Right. Um, Death's Domain. When you play a card here, destroy it. So I was alluding to that when we were talking about um, the the new location and how you want to play cards that will give you effects like. Um, something like Ironheart that has zero power on her own. So you play it, get her effect, she dies. Or uh, you want to play stuff like Jubilee or things that are like um, Doctor Strange. What, any any other cool interactions that you've had with uh, Death's um, Domain? Again, back to you know, Deadpool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah, just I usually, killing him every turn. I, yep, if I see him, even if, like I don't like killing Deadpool at one power, but if Death's Domain is the first one, first location. I will definitely drop my Deadpool there. Um, and I'll probably snap as well because every turn I'm dropping a Deadpool there. Yeah, that sounds pretty pretty oppressive. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> hey, it's called Death's Domain, so any d- Death Destroy deck is going to get 
real, they're they're going to have stuff to be able to interact with it. I was playing Sabretooth, so I would play it on three, and then I would just keep playing it every turn to Death's Domain just to increase my uh, destroy count for for death. So for death, there's a yep. lot, yeah, there's a lot you can do with that. But a base level for if you're play, trying to play with it, well, what you'll realize is you want to play stuff that gets cards there. So like Jubilee, she'll die, but whatever she pulls will live. Uh, yeah. Same thing with or, Doctor Strange. Yeah, or cards, yeah, that can move into their Nightcrawler, uh, Captain Marvel, you know, can seal yes. that location at the end of the game. Uh, things that put out tokens, uh, like Doom, you know, can put a five-power Doom bot there and it won't get destroyed, so. Here's a question. Do you concede when District X is revealed and both decks are replaced with 10 random cards? Absolutely not. That is the one that uh, it's just like for me, it's like ego and Agatha. If you know, you you pull you you get an ego who plays the game for you or Agatha who plays the game for you, it becomes more of like definitely RNG, but I'm like, let's let's see. Can you play with just some random cards and can you find the, the correct play order? A lot of people will definitely complain that like, oh, maybe you got better cards out of the you know, the random cards that you got and maybe, maybe, but I still feel like you can, you can still steer the game in a way that gives you success. And depending on what's in your hand, when it's revealed could also, uh, you still might have your game plan intact. So that's something to keep in mind, but yeah, I feel like it's a real skill tester. It, uh, shows, It'll show who has the best knowledge of Marvel Snap, all things being equal. Now, it can, like you're saying, it can happen that you just get garbage cards out of out of uh, yeah, District I mean, X, and it is what it is. Yeah, you, I could have gotten you know some of the most powerful cards, but if they were all like six drops, and I'm not able to play anything early game, it doesn't matter. You and you got a bunch of like early stuff. Yeah, it it, it can be it can feel bad sometimes, but. Uh, I don't take those kind of games too, you know, serious. Uh, they're they're more for fun, uh, and that's why I like to snap on those kind of locations. That's a good point. Not smart, like, don't, but, you know. Yeah, but at least you know you're not like tripping whether you win or lose because it's actually kind of a lot of it's sort of out of your control, but also not really. But you can't really feel bad either way. So I feel that it's kind of like it's like a feel good moment. It's like okay, I get to play some, and it's also fun at the start when you're starting because you get to see a lot of new cards. Yeah, exactly. So that is District X, uh, uh, X, not X, like it was previously <laughs> in X. Uh, Dream Dimension on turn five car- cards cost one more. Just something to keep in mind. It depends on your deck composition if it matters or not. Yeah, not a big deal. Yep. Um, Elysium cards cost one less. This is something I think you need to know. Is is your deck or your opponent's deck better when everything costs one less? Because you might think your deck is super sweet when everything costs less, but yo, your opponent's deck might be even better. Right, but just because everything costs one less doesn't necessarily mean you have to play everything out if you can. I've seen that happen before where you know it gets revealed turn one and they play like a two drop, and then on turn three they just flood the board with their hand and i'm like you've just now given me all the information i need right right and uh, you got to think okay do i have to use this energy now or with everything costing less 
is this something that I can exploit later, hold these cards in my hand, and then take advantage of the, of the information that I get from, like you said, my opponent just dropping everything and overcommitting. Now, here's another question. Here's another thing. This location can really you can get messed up if you get scarlet witched or rhinoed or stormed or whatever and you were planning on saving holding on to stuff you can really you can just lose straight up if you don't take advantage of it and your opponent does and then they change the location right yep so just stuff to keep in mind it's definitely fun it makes the game like it makes powerful stuff happen so it, it's good oh, yeah, but yeah. i definitely don't have tunnel vision yeah, no, in, in in any kind of card game, I'm always looking for like fun combos and I want to see my combos happen. So like when that comes out, it definitely it, it's a feel good because you're like, yes, I can I could probably play two six drops in this game. So hell yeah. It's just fun. No doubt. Uh Grand Central, uh at the end of turn five, put a card from each player's hand here. I find I feel like my primary mode of interaction with this location is I fill it up so I control what happens or I have so much cool stuff in my hand that it doesn't matter. And I, I leave it open and just make sure that it's not something that totally screws my game plan. Cause if you're playing the wrong deck and something gets played somewhere, turn five, it could like, I'm sure your Deadpool deck that might have some stuff that you don't want to just be thrown willy nilly all over the board. Right. And, and like you said, it's, you kind of have to think of how you can control it now. So do you, do you fill out all spots so that nothing can get played there? Or do you kind of, you know, craft your hand in a way that you don't care what gets drawn from it. It's still going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's just something that you gotta, you gotta remember. You gotta remember us there though, because uh, also if, if you can only benefit from it, if you make it so that if you fill up that location and don't get the benefit from the free play, you could just lose the game from that. But by your opponent having the opportunity to play another card and you don't. Right. Yeah. So again, um, knowing your deck yeah. and knowing the, the deck that your opponent is probably playing, you know, it's, it's just like any, any card game. You, you just got to be aware of what could potentially happen. Very important. Um, Hala at the end of turn four, destroy all cards controlled by the player losing here. So, I feel like easy mode for this location is don't play anything there until turn four until after turn four. Right. But now you're kind of like giving up that location, which, because you know, on turn five and six, what are you going to play there really? Uh, Unless you do have a plan for that. It is a fun location though, to like, you know, to, to to see who's actually going to win, you know, um, and I, I've had numerous games, too, where, like, I don't play anything, and then on turn four, I'll play, like, three or four cards there, and thinking that, you know, if they play something there, too, I'm going to win, and it does happen. It does happen sometimes, so. It is one of the more interactive skill-testing locations uh, in the game. There are times when you need to know, okay, I can't play here, or okay, it's, it's good to play here because if you if you make that mistake and, and you drop three things and your opponent also drops three things, you've just lost the game. So it definitely, it, it takes a lot of knowledge to play around it. That's why if you're, if you're listening to this and you're new, easy mode, just, just skip it. I feel like a lot of the opponents I play against just don't play anything there 
until after yeah. it pops. Or or play stuff there that isn't going to either they want to get destroyed like Bucky, you know, or yeah. you know, cards that you're it's not going to lose you the game if they do get destroyed. So you can throw down like, you know, uh depending on what you're playing, like you know, early game, you could throw like an Iceman down. Uh, so that you're also disrupting them, and if it gets destroyed, oh well, because um, it probably isn't super important for you to keep that two power on the board, depending on your deck, though. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's it's definitely a fun location, and it takes. Uh, there's a low barrier to entry, but I feel like there's a high level of uh, experience and skill. You know, there's a high cap on like what you can get out of it. So. Definitely want to keep your eye on um, Hellfire Club. One cost cards can't be played here. Just a standard, normal Marvel Snap location. Yeah, no, no big deal about that one uh, anymore. I haven't seen unless they're playing, you know, Kazar, or they're still early into the, you know, pool one and two. Not a lot of people are playing as many one drops anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not that big of a deal. If it hurts your deck, it hurts it. But even then, you can still put Kazar to, to that location. You still might have a couple cards that you can play there anyway. It's just something you got to play around. That's something, though, that when other cards get revealed, uh, or rather when other locations get revealed that maybe you can't play to, then you, then the uh, the negative effects on your deck might really start adding up. Right, you, you, got, you, you might uh, want you to got think about yeah, yeah. If you have uh, Crimson and Hellfire out, yeah, that that could be really bad for a deck. <laughs> yes. Um, and then Hell's Kitchen, draw one cost card from your deck. Yeah, sure, it's cool. It's cool for anyone who's playing one drops. And other than that, yeah. it's just whatever. So now, yeah, with, and with this location being uh, in, in in the system now, uh, I think it is important. Like I, I, I just mentioned, not too many people are running many one drops anymore but you still want to run at least one one drop in most of your decks because of this location that way you can filter it out and have now you're playing you know anything that filters your deck is going to be great so Mm, i hadn't thought about that that's definitely a a good uh, consideration i like that because even if you're not even playing it can be like a it's like you're playing two America Chavez. Because even in my ongoing deck, I or not my ongoing deck, my Mr. Negative deck, I play America Chavez even though when I draw it, it's going to be a nine-cost, po- nine six-power card. I'm I'm just using it to make the deck smaller. So right. yep. Uh, yep. that's uh, it's like another way to get that same kind of effect. That's good. Um, all right. Isle of Silence. Ongoing effects are disabled here. Just you know, you gotta you gotta know that it's uh, that it exists. It's something that can be super punishing if Scarlet, if you have a Devil Dinosaur and Scarlet Witch happens to change the location <laughs> to that. That's another reason why I feel like I've had I've had situations where I'm playing Scarlet Witch on a location and I'm I'm screwing my own team. So uh, I've been bummed. I've had that feel bad, but yeah, just ongoing effects are disabled. Just something to keep in mind not not a big yep. deal yep yeah i think they have uh versions of that location for all the effects um you know there's a on reveal isn't done here um and yeah then we also so yeah that, it's just great that they do that kind of stuff so. yeah just a basic location um jotunheim after each turn cards here lose one power i thought that that was going to be a big deal but yeah it's basically just wait till turn five to play there and you're fine yeah, and honestly, I've seen 
it kind of confused me the first time I saw somebody do it, but like on turn one that got got revealed, and then they played something there. I think it was a Squirrel Girl, and I was like, hmm, that's that's odd. And then they played something else there again, and then they played something. Uh, oh, I know what it was. They, they they ended up playing Killmonger and killed a ton of stuff, and it ended up being a wave or a death deck. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you got ways of of destroying your stuff and getting it out of Jotunheim, you can still, you know, actually kind of confuse your opponent with what you're doing. <laughs> that's a good point. That that's that's something to keep in mind. Um, Kunlun, when a card moves here, give it plus two power. That's something that, like, if if it's on the table and there's other ways. Uh, to to move, uh, I'll t- I'll just jump ahead here to Strange Academy at the end of turn five. Move all cards here to other random locations. So Kunlun, if you're playing the movement deck, then it's just like a sweet bonus. Uh, if Strange Academy is on the the battlefield as well, that's great for you if you're the movement deck because it's going to give you a free move. But also, if you're just playing and you see Strange Academy and you see Kunlun, might as well throw something on Strange Academy to see if you can get the, the move there just to get that little random bonus. Yeah, and for you know any player that's new to the game too, they're going to be playing Nightcrawler a lot. So Nightcrawler becomes very decent there. I wouldn't say he's great or anything, but uh, also the key with that is don't move him right away because the, the players will know you want to get there eventually. You So just wait until you absolutely need to move him there. Because uh, I've had you know, early on when we were playing, you know, when this first came out, where I would move Nightcrawler there right away when I saw that, and they played an Electra because they were like, yeah, you're going to move him there, right? So. <laughs> so here's the question. You know how we, you know how we do on Snap Academy. We like to, uh, we like to get long-winded. There's a lot of stuff that we like to talk about, and we like to cover things to the fullest extent we are about we aren't even halfway through the location list we're (laughs) about a third of the way through it i wonder if it wouldn't be a bad idea to call it here and do a location episode part two yeah no i was i was just gonna mention something like that because i got uh you know my my time's ticking on here uh and i don't want us you know getting cut off or anything so yeah i don't want to fast forward through these because i you know i feel like there's it seems like there's a few things that we're fast forwarding through but man there's so much to talk about with these locations and i really want to give it my full attention so how about we do locations video number two or locations uh podcast number two after this yeah i i am definitely down for that so all right well let's let's call it there then this is dude this is an episode that I've been waiting to get to, and I'm glad that we waited for me to recover <laughs> to do this today because I uh, this this episode is so important. And you know what? Hey, it's Tuesday right now, so maybe another episode of Snap Academy might be coming out really soon, right? I think that that it'll be yeah, coming I out think... sooner than later. Yeah. Yep. Uh... We will definitely have to discuss, you know, our, our schedules and whatnot, but I think we'll we'll definitely get on that and we'll probably have another episode coming up. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun, Sterling. I always love chopping it up with you. I'm going to hopefully I've been kind of mentally drained, so I, I haven't had a whole lot of chance to play since I was <laughs> since my initial uh, uh 
issue. I haven't had a whole lot of chance to play, but I'm going to be stoked to get into it and uh, see how see if I can get back at least to level 50 uh, before we get into uh, episode uh, two of the locations uh, discussion. So, man, this has just been awesome, dude. I, I want to say thanks to the listeners. I want to say thanks to anybody who's subscribing and liking and sharing our stuff. It means a lot. And Sterling, what do you got to say to everybody? Oh, I just want to say, you know, same as you, I appreciate everybody that's listening. Uh, any kind of feedback, con- uh, constructive criticism, anything you want to hear us talk about, please let us know. We love to hear feedback. We love to, uh, you know, engage. Both of us are very active on the Facebook group. Uh, not quite as active in some of the other like Discord and Twitter and stuff, but uh, you can definitely contact us on there and let us know. You know what's what do you guys want to want us talking about here in the future? Yeah, make sure to drop us a comment or hit us up online, and we want to continue this conversation and grow it and build the community. Yes. So again, thanks AJ for uh, you know being a co-host here. Thank you, listeners. We appreciate you guys, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.